0: Welcome. Thank you for watching this teaching video from Oak Tree Community Church in South Bend, Indiana. Please check out our other videos and don't forget to like and subscribe. Our mission is to help people come to know Jesus better and love Him more every day. We believe this will not only help our own spiritual growth, but also help us better influence the community and the world for Christ. For more information about Oak Tree, please visit us at oaktreechurch.com. There you'll find past message series online giving options, and more information about our discipleship process that we call The Path. Now, enjoy this message. We'd love to hear from you in the comments or the website contact form. Thank you. All right. So, as I mentioned, we're working through this series called We Believe. And, um, Well, every week we teach what we believe. I mean, that's just sort of the thing, right? (laughs) But this one is a little bit more systematic. It's a little bit more uh, uh, crafted or designed in such a way where we are exploring the major doctrines, the major topics that we found or that we find in the Bible. And what I've said is that the Bible has about 32,000 verses in it, okay? Okay. And each one of these, well, talks about something, right? I mean, otherwise God wouldn't have put it in there. So what, what we find is that each individual verse, you just open it to any verse in the Bible, you just grab your Bible, just open it to any verse, it doesn't matter. And each one of these talks about one or more of these major categories of doctrine, major categories of belief. And so what we're doing is is each week we're tackling one, or one week we'll tackle two of them together. In a couple of weeks we will do the doctrines of sin and salvation together. Okay, Um, So uh, two weeks ago we started with the Bible as the very first one. And I know some people like to start with God as the very first doctrine. The problem I have with that is that we know so little about God without the Bible that I prefer to start with the Bible, even though it's less important than God. I mean, you understand what I mean, right? So I I always start with the Bible as the first doctrine, because then everything else, once we understand the authority that we get from the Scriptures, why we study the Bible, for the, for, the rest of the series I keep saying, well, the Bible says this, which doesn't matter if the Bible has no authority, right? So we start with the Scriptures, and then we build out from there. Last week, then, we did talk about God, and we talked about some of his uh, uh, his attributes, his characteristics, uh, and that sort of thing. This week, we are going to do the exact opposite of God, and that's us. Okay, we're doing the doctrine of humanity, the doctrine of mankind. Uh, the technical term is anthropology. And what's funny about that is that anthropology, as a word, as a term is not limited to theology, not limited to Bible doctrine. You go to universities and you can study anthropology, social anthropology, cultural anthropology, all sorts of different things. But ultimately what it comes down to is a study about us. We're studying ourselves, which is not bad. It's not bad in society and it's not bad in theology. It's just that when you study anthropology in a university or a college, especially a secular university or college, it's going to have a different perspective than what we're talking about today. Or at the very least, it'll come to a different conclusion than when we study anthropology, the doctrine of humanity from a biblical worldview. Okay? Let me just give you a, a, a quick list. Okay? Um, I just grabbed this list off of a university website. I'm not putting it up on the screen. I'm just going to read off my notes here. Um Consider, here's what I say, consider this list of degree options available from the average American university, okay? Lots of universities have these same degree programs. I'm not picking on just one of them. Uh, And this is just in alphabetical order, okay? A to W. Uh, I didn't find any Zs. So, uh, African American studies, American studies, anthropology, just as as a topic, arts and humanities, which is a study of how we express ourselves, right? Criminal justice, how we govern ourselves, rule ourselves. Uh, East Asian studies, European studies, we're skipping from E to L. Latin American studies, philosophy is the love of wisdom. It's a Greek word, it's a compound word. Philo, phile, is love. And Sophia, maybe you don't know this, but the name Sophia means wisdom. So philosophy is the love of wisdom. It's a study of how wise we are. Seems like that should be a short study. But, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, it's, it's not usually. So there's philosophy. Psychology, which is interesting because the Greek word psyche, where we get psyche, okay? Psychiatrist, psychologist, all those things. That Greek word has to do with soul. Okay, The inner being of a person. And so psychology attempts to understand the inner part of a person. Not just our our actions, but our emotions and our, our mind. But it's really, in Greek, it's more than just mind. It really gets down to the very heart and soul of things. Which, of course, we would say that from a biblical worldview, they're getting it wrong. Okay? You can't do psychology from a secular standpoint getting away from a biblical worldview. You can't do psychology, psychiatry, and try to study the human mind if you don't step back and say, where did the human mind come from? Right? They're missing a step. So that's we're going to do biblical psychology a little bit today, I guess, as we're taking one step back and studying where did we come from? What does this look like? Okay. Uh, just a couple more Uh, sociology sociology is how we interact with each other okay but it's still about us and then uh, women and gender studies okay women and gender studies and just gonna be a little sarcastic here uh, because a whole course on men's studies would not go over very well I think in most (laughs) in most secular universities And because in this current world, which I believe is run by Satan, okay, in this current world, we have to be sure we indoctrinate people from the smallest all the way up when it comes to sexual identity, gender ideology, and all that scope of things. And so it makes sense If you think about it, you may not like it, but it makes sense that our education system would include a place dedicated to indoctrinating people against the biblical worldview. Okay, it just makes sense that that would happen. All right, again, you don't have to like it, but. That's what's happening. So there's a dozen, I mean, just just a dozen different ways, and there are far more. You look at any university website, far, far more ways that we can study ourselves, okay? And um, I'm reading my notes because sometimes I write things, and I just love the way I write it, but when I actually get to teach, I forget it. So I'm just going to read it to you because uh, if we're still not done admiring ourselves as we go through one of these programs, we can get a master's and doctorates in ourselves Uh, (laughs) from many uh, universities Uh, what a wonderful time to be us uh, is what I have in my notes there is a little bit a little bit of sarcasm (laughs) Um, okay so here's the question though is it wrong to know about ourselves is it wrong to study ourselves no I don't think any of us would say that it's not wrong to study ourselves okay uh, philosophy, and we, we want to come from a biblical philosophy, but uh, earthly philosophy, human philosophy, e- even that says know thyself. Okay, You've got to know who you are, where you came from, if you're going to find any purpose, any meaning, any anything, any direction in life. The problem that most people have today, as they're wandering aimlessly through this life, just trying to survive, is that they don't have the foundation of who they are, why they are. Okay, because they don't want to get into philosophy. Okay, you got, you've got, you've got, um, you know, Rene Descartes. I think, therefore, I am. It's like that's over my head. Not interested. Not interested. Right. We just don't want to go that direction. I just want to find something that makes me feel good or happy. If I can find something that makes me happy, I can find something that makes me feel good. That's really what life is all about, right? Which makes sense. Again, I'm not saying you have to like it. I'm not saying I agree with it. But logically, it makes sense, because if from the very beginning of our education as we grow up, if we are being told that we are nothing more than cosmic accidents, we've just evolved to this level, Okay, we're overgrown monkeys or we're overgrown protozoa or we're whatever we are, Okay, And we accidentally, by time and random chance and mutation, we accidentally made it to the top of the food chain. And if the philosophy of natural selection, if the philosophy of a winner takes all, dog eat dog, only the strong survive, if that's true, and that's what's being taught in schools all over the place and homes all over the place, if that's true, then murder is a good thing, not a bad thing. Because if I can be the one murdering, then I'm making sure that I can, the strong survive. And if you get murdered, sorry. If I have to step on squash, knock out of the way anybody to get higher into my position at work, sorry, only the strong survive, survival of the fittest, natural selection. You were too weak, and I was able to knock you out. The society that we have today has been created by a worldview that says, you're just an accident, your only purpose in life is to get ahead, and it doesn't matter who you knock out of the way to get there, and it doesn't matter how you knock them out of the way. That is the society. The society that we look at from a biblical world and say it is so wrong comes back to not just the doctrine of the Bible, not just even the doctrine of God, but it comes back to a biblical doctrine of humanity. Who are we? What are we? Why are we? And that sets the trajectory for everything else. Okay? So if you're trying to fight against an evolutionary worldview, if you're trying to understand, figure out why people at work do the things they do, it's not about work. It's about themselves. But in many cases, they don't know it. You're trying to look at the crime rate. How is it the people can feel so comfortable just killing one another, maiming one another, hurting one another? It's actually very, very logical. It makes a lot of sense if you're coming from a foundation or worldview that they're coming from okay so it's not just enough to fight against the system we have to fight against the foundation that's one of the reasons that we're doing a series like we believe so that we can make sure that we have our foundation strong because it affects every other part of our lives okay so that said that said we are going to spend most of our time in one passage today okay and that's in genesis chapter one and we're looking at three verses verses 26 27 and 28 if you have a printed bible it's probably on the first or second page okay depending on how many study notes you have at the bottom (laughs) pushing your verses off to other pages right so think about that this we'll look at a few other verses as well but this is this is going to set the foundation and the fact that God chose to give us the information that we're about to look at that we're about to review here study the fact that he chose to gave give it to us on literally page 1 or 2 i find significant i think this is very important okay so genesis chapter 1 verses 26, 27 and 28. Uh, we'll read it and then we'll just work through I sort of have um, just sort of have an outline here. I just want to work through these verses and think through the, the the detail that's actually given here. It's easy to gloss over a lot of stuff okay So um, I, I want us to really spend some time thinking about this as we talk about think about who we are what are we? Verse twenty-six. This is the end of the creation week. Okay, there are six days that are described in this chapter. The teens, just a couple of months ago on Mother's Day, did a great job. Uh, if uh, if you uh, were here, you remember the teens did a great job talking about. Uh, basically the whole whole survey of the whole Bible, starting with creation. They spent a lot of time on this section. And uh, so there are six days God created everything, I believe, in six literal days. That's what we believe and teach here. Okay, we talked about that a little bit last week. And at the end of the creation week, the end of the creation process, we find these three verses. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image, after our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that moves on the ground. All right, here's where, here's what I want to answer this morning. Three key questions about humans. Three key questions, three foundational questions that we need to make sure we understand if we're going to be able to push back against the society that completely gets this wrong okay number one what are we (laughs) what are we okay number two what are we to do there's an idea of purpose there there's a there's a reason we exist and then number three so what happened what happened because from what i can tell whatever it is that we're supposed to do i don't think we're doing it well okay just I don't think we're doing it well. So something must have happened. All right? Each one of these has... uh, This is going to be more... I just tell you, especially if you're taking notes, you're going to love this because this is going to be more outlining than I normally do. Okay? So just... (laughs) Yay! right. All right. Four parts to the question, what are we? Four parts to the question, what are we? We are part of creation. We are designed by God. We are gendered. I didn't even know that was a verb until recently, but we can do that now. We are gendered, and I'm specifying male and female. And number four, we're God's representatives. That's what we are, and I get that from these verses. Number one, we are part of creation. The Hebrew word And you don't see it in English here, but the Hebrew word that is translated mankind or humankind or sometimes just man is Adam. Adam. Which means, okay, sometimes we joke about how creative we are with our naming, right? So we're going to do a series on the things that we believe, and we're going to entitle this series, We Believe. Woo! Right? All right. The Hebrew word for Humankind, mankind, or sometimes just man, is Adam. So what do we call the first of these? Adam. Adam. Woo! Real creative there, right? <laughs> just super creative. We're going to call him... Man. Alright, good. Alright, there it is. But it here's the thing. It comes from... It's a shortened version of a different Hebrew word... With, it's the same thing with just a little ending on the end. It's Adama, which means ground. So really what Adam means is dirt guy. Okay? If you know any Adams, you're going to have fun with this. All right? Uh, Mudman. Mudman. All right? This is... So it's not just that we're super creative with names. It's like we're just going to call him dirt. Just. That's his nickname, Dirt. Okay, Adama means ground. We're gonna shorten it, lop off the end, just call him Adam. Hey, Dirt. Okay, have fun with this. If you know Adams, this is great. Okay, uh, if you named your kid Adam, I'm sorry. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Irene, I'm looking at you. I know that's that. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, Adam, first, first man, right? The first created human, the one who set all of this in motion. Good and bad, right? Set all this in motion. He, we find in chapter two that God did not just speak him into existence, let there be mankind, but God actually formed him. Okay, if we scroll down just a little bit here, chapter two, verse seven, we find that the Lord God formed the man from the soil of the Adama, from the ground. Okay, God actually got His hands dirty, if I can put it that way, to create this thing. And He was called Adam. But Adam is more than just an individual person. Adam is all of mankind. We are all mud men. Not just the one guy. We're all. Adam is humankind. It's mankind. So it's not that God just, again, spoke us into existence. We are actually part of creation. Okay, we are part of this created thing. But that said, contrary to the current worldview, creation didn't make us. It's not just that we came out of creation accidentally, but God actually pulled us, formed us, made us out of already created material. He created the ground and then He made us. Okay? The ground didn't make us. Okay? This is not Mother Earth like uh, Philip talked about a few weeks ago in our previous series. This is not Mother Earth. Uh, this is God formed us, designed us, created us intentionally. Okay? Verse, uh, back in verse 26, God did this with intention. God said, let us make Adam. Let us make humanity this was intentional and that brings us then to number two here part of the what are we this is we are designed okay we are part of creation but we're not an accidental accidental part of creation we are designed there's intention there there's two words here in verse 26 in our image after our likeness And this is a huge study. A lot of people have tried to explain this over the years. Uh, It's really hard, even though I just said that, it's really hard to find good resources, good books on this topic. I've looked. There are a few out there. If I ever decide that I want to go after another doctorate, which if I do, somebody please shoot me, okay? (laughs) Uh, If I decide that I'm ever going to try to go after another doctorate, this is what I would like to do my dissertation on. The image of God in humanity. The image of God in man. Because I think, number one, it's not studied well enough. There are not enough resources out there on it. And it affects so many moral areas, ethical areas. Okay, It affects counseling. It affects psychology. It affects uh, uh, slavery, human rights, abortion, euthanasia. All sorts of things. Capital punishment. All tie back to the image of God. And I think that we do not understand it well enough. Okay, and and I've I've been studying it for a long, long time, and I still do not understand it well enough. I'd love to do a really deep dig dive on this topic, and even if I never write another dissertation in my life, um, there is a book there somewhere. Okay, I'm just telling you, <laughs> there is a book there somewhere. Uh, I have had the uh, the fortune to um, write a chapter for another book that's coming out. I don't know when um, on this topic, and uh, it was shortened down to be an article in this magazine. I'm going to put. I've only got one of these. I'm going to put it out there. You can look at it. This is called Ariel Magazine. If, you don't, if you've never heard of this before, you should, number one. Number two, it's free on their website. You can get the PDF. It's a quarterly magazine, um, ariel.org. Just click on magazine and you can download it. Some really, really neat stuff in here. Uh, some really good teaching. It is a doctrinal, it is a teaching magazine. And um, they asked if I would put just a, uh, a two or a three page article in here on the image of God, considering the image of God. Okay, because that is sort of a a thing of mine. So I'll put that out there. The cover article, The Eternal Sonship of Messiah, is fantastic. Nick will be talking about Jesus more next week. Okay, so uh, this will be a good article that you can uh, uh, read if you're interested. And again, you can get that on their website, ariel.org. Image and likeness are sometimes used interchangeably, but I don't think they're the same. Okay? As we look through the Bible and we find these two words used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, there there seems to be a little bit of a difference. Image has to do with a physical representation, okay? Sort of like a mirror, right? It's sort of like a, a sculpture, right? The reason I believe that God in the Ten Commandments, number two, says no images no graven images, no sculptured images trying to represent God is because He's already made an image. It's us. We are the closest representation to God that even God could come up with. Okay? And that's saying something. Right? We are... Supposed to, when the angels look at us, when unbelievers look at us, when other believers look at us, we are supposed to be so much like God that it's unmistakable. How are we doing? (laughs) Okay. And here's how I know that because according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the representation of His essence. Jesus is the perfect image of God. Okay? Here's why that's important. Because according to Romans chapter 8, verse 29, those whom God foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the what? Image of His Son. Think about that. God created us to represent to reflect him perfectly. Obviously, we don't do that. That comes under what happened. But Jesus does. Jesus is the perfect representation. He went so far as to tell his disciples in John chapter 14, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There is absolutely no difference." Now we talked about their difference as as a in their persons last week, we talked about their difference in their roles, but they are father, son, spirit. We use the triangle often as a symbol for the Trinity. They are all God exact in every way when it comes to their essence, to their character, to their nature, to everything where Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I am a direct, I am a perfect reflection of God. Everything that you see in me is what I want you to understand about God. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8, all right, here's your task. Here's what needs to happen with you. If you know Jesus as your Savior, your life is supposed to become as much like Jesus as possible. Why? Because Jesus is God. And God designed us to be his perfect reflection. And he says... Only if you know Jesus as your Savior can you get back to what you were supposed to be. Isn't that interesting? Image has to do with a reflection, a visible representation of something or someone else. Likeness, not quite, not always visible, Uh, it has to do with the level of similarity. And a lot of times this has to do with characteristics. Okay? So, uh, uh, for instance, Um, In Ezekiel chapter one, we find this word show up a lot because in Ezekiel chapter one, Ezekiel, the prophet is seeing a vision of heaven and he's like, okay, it's like this. It's like this. It had a likeness of this. It was a likeness of this. I know what I'm seeing, but there's absolutely no way for me to really put it into words exactly. So I'm going to tell you the likeness without telling you exactly the thing. Image would be exactly the thing. Likeness is the similarity that is not quite describable. Okay, So maybe the likeness that we have of God would be some of the attributes that God has that we get to share in. Love and mercy and grace and kindness and faithfulness and all of those things that we don't do perfectly, but at least we have the capability of doing them at some level. Because God does them perfectly. Okay, so we are designed by God, we're not accidents, we are designed, and He, in a sense, created us in such a way, like I said, that anybody, any animal, anything in all creation, angels, other people, whatever, are supposed to be able to look at you and see God. Okay, husbands and wives, Ephesians chapter 5. You're supposed to love each other, treat each other in such a way that you are actually the closest thing to Jesus in this life for your spouse. The love that you have for each other, the way you treat each other is like, this is how Jesus would do it if he were my spouse. Okay, that's how it's supposed to be. How we're supposed to treat each other, serve each other, love each other, forgive each other, and we fail completely, right? Right? all the time but that is what god is calling us to be and to do and so when we come back here to genesis chapter one we are designed by god number three what are we we are gendered we are male and female now this is really cool because verse 27 is uh you see there's three lines there and three lines you'll notice it's not in paragraph form It changes form, right, as you're working through there. Three lines, if you know anything about Hebrew poetry, three lines should make you jump up and go, ah, how cool is this? Okay, And since nobody's doing that, I'm assuming that you don't know where I'm going with this Hebrew poetry thing. Uh, Hebrew poetry... And we see this in, in like the Psalms and the Proverbs and lots of other places in the Old Testament. Hebrew poetry is based on usually a two-line thing. Sometimes it's one line that repeats and just says it a different way. Sometimes it's one line that then the second line says the opposite. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways to do it, but it's usually based on two lines. Okay, If... And this, is not, this does not happen a lot, especially in the Old Testament. It's pretty rare. So the fact that it happens on the first page is amazing. The fact that it happens in the conversation about what we are is even more amazing. The fact that there's, there's in the middle of this narrative, in the middle of this, this, this prose, God had Moses pop in just one stanza of a poem. One stanza of verse. And he did it in three lines, which is just like, if you were reading this in Hebrew, it would just be like amazing, because you don't see this a lot. Which means it's supposed to grab our attention. It's supposed to say, this is important. Do not miss this. Okay? So what's so important? Here it is. God created humankind in His own image. I just read that in verse 26. I mean, why do we need to say that again? Here's why. In the image of God, He created them. That's what I want you to see here. It's not just in the image of God He created Him, but it's in the image of God He created them. Okay, There is an entire system in this world that says that men and women are We we, we know that men and women are, are distinct, are different, but there's a whole system in this world that devalues one or the other. Okay? Most of the time throughout history, it has been men devaluing women. Things turn, and now women are not just saying, you know, I can do the same thing as you, but anything you can do, I can do better. Right? And women devalue men. You look at the commercials and the TV shows that shows a strong woman, which is no problem, but an idiot husband. Right, Can't even figure out how to pull a key out of his pocket and unlock a door, and that's the joke. Okay? And you spend your entire, uh, uh, entire TV show laughing about how much of an idiot the husband is. Okay? And it devalues masculinity, and it devalues man. God created both. In his image. There's nobody who's better, there's nobody who's worse when it comes to value and worth. We have different roles, we have different functions, but we do not have different values. Not as far as worth, but we do not have different worths, okay? We are not inferior and superior. Do not let people say that just because you are a man or woman, that you do not have value, that you are worth less than someone else. It's not true, and it's on page one. (laughs) It's on page one. God created them, us, all in His image, and then He gendered us, male and female. Not the 52 others that we can find today. Okay, Not being able to change from one to the other and back again. Okay, We don't like it today, so we're going to change to another one. Not all of the things that we're seeing in our world today. God created two genders. We're designed by God. We're in the image of God. We have the likeness of God. And He chose two. That's it. Male and female. That's how He created them. So, Nothing, the third bullet point there, nothing in God's design allows for blending or confusion of the two. Okay, If you go uh, further into the Old Testament, uh, when God gave the law to the nation of Israel, one of the things that, and it's a verse that gets taken out of context so often and it's misunderstood and and we're not going to get into all of the intricacies about this if you want to talk about it during second hour we can try a little bit but it is an abomination for a man to wear a woman's clothes okay that is in the law all right well i'm seeing everybody wearing about the same type of clothing here today which means either we're all abominations or we're not or we misunderstood the verse Okay, so there is something there, but first of all, it was not a general command for the rest of the, for all of the world. It was for Israel. There was a specific purpose, but God wants there to be a difference. He wants, there, he wants us to see a difference between male and female. Okay, and as cultures go back and forth, I think there's some flexibility in what that looks like and how we play it out. But there's supposed to be a difference, and we're not supposed to be jumping back and forth between the two of them because nothing in God's design allows for that. Okay, so um, we are—we're uh, part of creation. We're designed by God. We are gendered, and finally, under what are we? We are God's representatives. Verse twenty-six. So they may rule, or maybe your Bible says, Let them rule. Okay, let them rule, or so that the, we were designed to be God's representatives. If we are supposed to look like Him and act like Him, image and likeness, now we are supposed to also govern like Him. God designed it in such a way that instead of Him being in heaven, just sending down, you know, Telepathy to the creation. This is what you're supposed to do. He placed an image of himself on the planet to run the planet for him. That means a couple of things. Number one, we are not, or uh, um, the planet is not ours. We are just running it for him. We are not the owner. We're the manager. Okay. Number two, it means that we are over creation. We are over the rest of creation. Okay? Not angels. That's a whole different subject that we'll talk about in a few weeks here. But as far as the rest of creation, we God placed us over creation. He created us last, and He gave us some kind of rulership. We're the pinnacle of the creation. And He gave us the responsibility and the authority to govern the rest. Okay, So that's what we are. That um, uh, That's what we believe, just based on these you know, couple of verses here. And that leads us right into... Big number two. What are we supposed to do? Well, what are we supposed to? We're supposed to do three things based on this passage. We're supposed to procreate. We're supposed to govern, which we have already seen, and we are supposed to obey. Okay, procreate, govern, and obey. And in uh, in these verses right here, verse especially verse um, uh, verse twenty eight, we have five commands we have five imperative verbs these are the this must you do be fruitful multiply fill that goes under procreate and then subdue and rule goes under govern I'm going to jump over to chapter two to get the uh, the, the obey part okay but we have five commands in a row so first we're supposed to procreate God created male and female and this is the purpose Okay? If it were not for procreation, if it were not for um, uh, having families, making babies, you know, filling up the earth, we wouldn't need gender. Right? It seems, and we don't know all the details about angels, but it seems like angels may be genderless. Or something, okay, we're not, again, we're not sure. We'll explore that in a few weeks. But the purpose of gender and the purpose of sex is to finish or to uh, fulfill this command right here on page one be fruitful and multiply and fill. Okay? This is why we believe that God rejects and condemns homosexuality and transgenderism. Because not only does it go against his design, but it doesn't fulfill what the design was meant to fulfill. Okay? It's very simple. It's very logical. I can take you to all sorts of verses, but even just in this first thing, God set it up in a certain way, gave them a command, and homosexuality and transgenderism cannot. It's not just that it doesn't, but it cannot fulfill the command. Okay? And it goes against God's design. So, Here's the question that gets asked all the time. It's all over in the news. What does fill mean? right? Is the earth full? Are we overpopulated? We talk about overpopulation. And we got to thin out the population like we're a bunch of cattle or something. What is? How are we supposed to think about this? Well, I did some math because I like math. And I did some research. And I'm not taking you through the whole thing. If you'd like to see the whole thing, I'd be glad to show you because it's in my notes. But uh, I'm not putting it up on the screen here. Basically, here's the thing. Take the surface area of the earth, you know, just the whole earth. Well, 70% of it's covered with water, so we're not going to live on that part, okay? So that doesn't make sense. So we're going to tell you it's actually 29.2% that's not covered with water. Great. You're like, I do not want to live in Antarctica, okay? Most of us would agree with that. I have some friends who think it's a good idea, but most of us would say I don't want to live in Antarctica. Fine. Let's say of that 29.2% of surface area that's covered by land of some kind, let's say half of it's not even inhabitable. Let's just say, let's just wipe out half. I can't live on, on Mount Everest. I can't live in Antarctica. I can't live, you know, whatever. Fine. Let's just wipe out half of it. How much land is actually there? Well, if you do the math, and again, I can show you if you care, um, and this, uh, just, yeah, just ask me. Here's the result. Here's the result. There are 8 billion people on the planet today. First of all, I read a statistic which just blows my mind, that if we all, 8 billion people, stood shoulder to shoulder, we would fit within the 500 uh, square mile area of Los Angeles. Okay? Now, obviously, shoulder to shoulder doesn't give us a lot of room. Okay, I like a little bit more space than that. But we could fit there if we didn't care about standing shoulder to shoulder with somebody you know, for the rest of our lives. For those of us who want a little bit more space, you'd be happy to know that even if you lopped off half of the, the, the surface area of the earth, there is still enough land that every single person, habitable land, you can live on it, you can grow crops on it, you can grow animals on it, etc. There is enough habitable land on this planet that each of the 8 billion people gets 2.29 acres. Okay? This is why you have big families because when all four kids of ours at home, we should have had 14 acres. Okay? Okay? now you don't have to worry about shoulder to shoulder and elbow space right elbow room right even if you're by yourself even if you're single you get more than two and a quarter acres if you're you're married you have a couple you have a couple of kids you have people living with you I mean just you know my house right now I should have like 11 acres okay all right is the earth full is the earth overpopulated I don't think so I don't think so nope it's really not so when you hear all the scientific arguments for a wow, you know there's overpopulation well yeah if we're all standing shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder in Los Angeles we would think it's overpopulated okay and in big cities where everything is crowded together and you're living in an 800 square foot apartment yeah it's overpopulated okay and honestly Our brilliance and our technology has brought us together more. I mean, if you think even just a hundred years ago, it'd be a whole lot easier to survive on two and a quarter acres by yourself. Okay. If you didn't need the electric lines, if you didn't need, you know, the cell towers, if you didn't need anything. Now, just telling you, I like the electric lines and the cell towers. And that's why I live on a third of an acre. And I have people on either side of me okay because you have the technology helps drive some of that i'm just saying the earth is not full the earth is not full to the point that uh sometimes we think however eight billion people i think we've gotten pretty good at our job okay and this is only eight this is eight billion people who are alive today think of how many billions of people have Walked through this place over thousands of years. Okay? So, have we done a good job of filling the earth? I think yes. I don't think this is a command for each individual couple. In fact, we find this command only twice in Scripture once to Adam and Eve, and then once to Noah and his family after God wiped out everybody else. Okay? Fill it back up, repopulate the earth. I think we've done a good job. Is it as good as we could have done? No, but I think we're full. Okay? Not over full, not overpopulated. I think we have done our job in procreation. Okay? Which is interesting because right now in the United States, there is attrition. There are people dying at a faster rate than babies are being born. We are actually losing population just in the United States. Immigration is the only thing that's keeping that number higher. Do you know that? Daniel? yeah yeah we are we are aging ourselves out people are getting married later and not having children i don't know if you know that okay if it were not for immigration our census numbers would be going down not up okay so are we doing a good job at this maybe not as much as we thought okay number two we're supposed to govern and we find these two commands here Uh, In verse 28, subdue it and rule over. And we saw that same word rule in verse 26. The word subdue, you're not going to like this, but subdue means to forcibly bring something into subjection. It's used of conquering armies. It's used of humiliation of one person over another. In, In bad instances, it can be used of rape. Okay, That is the same term that is used throughout the Old Testament. Now, should we be doing that to the planet? I don't think so, but God, this is the word He chose. He said, humans, take over. The earth was created for humans, not the other way around. And there are systems of thought, and there are there's world religions. Philip talked about some of these a few weeks ago. There are world religions. There are philosophies that say that humans are subject to the earth. We're not allowed to do this because the earth is going to get mad at us. We're not allowed to uh, to, to use the natural resources. What are they there for if they're not for us? Okay, God put them there. For us, should we do it well? Yes, we're not the owner, we're just the manager. It's still God's creation, but God used this term specifically subdue it, bring creation under your rule, and then rule it. Rule means to tread on something, explore it, walk all over it. Okay, we are in single digits. You might find this interesting. Sometimes the question comes up: how much of the ocean, how much of the, the 70% of the water all over the earth has been explored? Single digit percentages. Somewhere between five and 10% have we actually explored the oceans of this world? We have no idea what's down there. None. Which is sort of creepy on one hand and exciting on the other, right? Because <laughs> sometimes you see stuff that comes up from the ocean floor, you're like, ugh, you know, I'm not going down there. That's creepy, right? Single digits. But God said, tread on it, walk on it, go all over everything, plow it over. And again, in in some contexts, beat it down. Rule, make sure you are in charge and make sure creation knows that you are in charge. We are to multiply, we are to conquer, we're to fill up, and then we're to run the world. That was what God told us to do. Number three, we are supposed to obey now. We have to get this partially from here and partially from uh, uh, <clears throat> chapter 2. If you go down just one verse here, we haven't read verse twenty about 29, but if you go down just one verse, then God said, I now give you. I now give you. There are certain things that God gave us and specifically here, it's here's what you're supposed to eat. Okay. At the beginning, we were all at least vegetarian. Okay, that did not change until after the flood. Genesis chapter 9. Now we are given everything to eat. You can eat anything you want, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Okay, they say, Oh, you're not supposed to eat this. You just say wrong. Okay, and eat whatever you want. Doesn't really matter. (laughs) You go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, God gave us all things to enjoy. Can we abuse things? Absolutely. Can we misuse things? Absolutely. But everything in creation is for us to enjoy. Because God created creation for us, not the other way around. But we're supposed to do it in the proper way. We're supposed to obey. And if we jump over to uh, chapter 2, you probably know that God gave a command. There was one law at the very beginning. One law. Chapter 2. Verse 16, Then God said, and only Adam was there, only the man was there at that point. He had not created the woman yet. You may. Chapter 2, verse 16. You may. Which means that there is also a you may not. Which means now there's a choice. Do I obey or do I disobey? So on the one hand, God told Humanity, tread all over the earth, walk all over the earth, subdue the earth, subjugate the earth, take control. But on the other hand, don't forget, it's mine, not yours. And you still have to obey me. I give and you may, and you may not. Isn't that interesting? See that back and forth there. All right, let's finish. So if that's true, um, oh yeah let me mention this this first bullet point we are only god's representatives not god's ourselves okay sometimes we forget that sometimes we forget that we try to make ourselves gods okay so what happened well very quickly very quickly there's four things that we see what happened number one we disobeyed you know big surprise right god said obey and we're like no Okay, And there's a whole lot of verses up here, and the PDF will be on our website. You can have these slides. You can look them up. I'm not going to read all these verses this morning. But the first six verses of chapter 3, the enemy, Satan himself, the devil, came down and he asked this question, did God really say? And he began getting us to question God. And it's never a good thing to question God. Okay, not with this motive. We can ask God questions, but it's never a good thing to question God. And He was able to deceive her and Adam did what He wanted. Number two, in doing so, we forfeited our role. God said govern. God said rule. But we forfeited this. And I do want to show you this because we see this in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. This is the temptation of Jesus. Uh, we do not see the same phrase in, in, in Matthew 4 in the other temptation account. So we do see it in Luke. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. The devil took Jesus to a high place and showed Him in a flash all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, Satan said to, to Jesus, to you I will grant this whole realm and the glory that goes along with it because, look at this, it has been, and the net translation says relinquished. Your Bible might say handed over, been given to me. I can give it to anybody I want to. Sounds like a four year old right there. I can do what I want with it, but it's true. At the moment that Adam, the emperor of the world, the, the the vice-regent under God, the grand vizier, the whatever, God's representative on this planet, when Adam said, I'm going to do things my way, not God's way, it's as if he signed the title to the whole thing over to Satan and said, alright, you can have it because I'm not following him anyway. That's what happened. And Satan took it that way. Satan knew it that way. He said, everything was handed over to me and I can do with it what I want. And it happened in Genesis chapter three. So not only did we disobey, we actually relinquished, we forfeited the role, all this stuff that we as a human race were supposed to do. This is why we don't govern the world well. And because of that, number three, everything suffers the consequences. And here's just a short list. Um, it's not gonna be up on the screen. I just read here's just a short list of consequences. There's difficulty in procreation. There's increased uh, pain in childbirth. We see in child labor and childbirth. We see this in in uh, chapter Genesis chapter three. There are marriage difficulties. We see that in chapter three. There's going to be conflicts in marriage. Conflicts between men and women. Okay. There's going to be gender role and confusion and abuse. We see this all over the place. It's going to take hard work to survive. Thorns and thistles and all sorts of weeds and stuff that were not part of the original creation. We see that in Genesis chapter 3. And we also see in Romans chapter 8 that all creation is groaning under this curse that we brought on it. And there's also physical death. There was no physical death before Genesis chapter 3. God designed us to live forever in perfect fellowship and harmony with Him. And he said, Because you disobeyed, because you did this, you will return to dust. This is why, when you're at a graveside service, many times the pastor or the officiant will quote that little phrase ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Because that's where you came from and that's where you're going. That was never intended to be that way. That was never the intention. Physical death is a part of that. And finally, we damaged our relationship with God. The very first thing that happened when Adam sinned is he ran and he hid. Then he started making excuses. He tried to cover himself up. He blamed God. He blamed his wife. I mean, in like a span of three verses, everything just fell apart. To the point where if it were not for God, if it were not for God stepping in, had God just stepped back and said, well, you're on your own now, there'd be no hope. None. Romans 3 says that without God's intervention, no one looks for God. On our own, if it's just up to us, had God not done anything, we don't even look for God, we don't seek after God. But because He did, we do. We can look for Him. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says we all fall short of God's perfect standard, God's glory. Okay, we have We have destroyed our relationship. The reality is we put ourselves into this position. We put ourselves into this position. We were the ones who sinned. And we haven't learned our lesson and we keep doing it. <laughs> and if it were not for God, we would have no hope. None. Okay. But God said, here's the deal. I will save you, but you got to do it my way. Here are my terms and conditions. Jesus alone. Jesus alone. His death, his resurrection on our behalf That's the only way we can come back into a right relationship with God. We can't earn it. Even if we were perfect, you've heard me say this before, even if we were perfect, we would just get back up to zero. We would never be able to pass beyond just where we started. Jesus is the only one who can take us to where God wants us to be. And that's both in salvation... And that's in the rest of our lives as well, as we are conformed, as we become like Him. That's why He is our goal. Church is not our goal. Bible memorization is not our goal. Singing is not our goal. Jesus is our goal. That's why we say around here, like Philip said, to know Him better and to love Him more. He is our pursuit. Because we're trying to become like Him, not just the best Bible memorizers that we know right not just the best people there's a lot of good people in this world they don't do a lot of bad stuff but they don't have any relationship with god and none of it counts eternally none of it doesn't matter it's not just about being good it's about being like jesus that's who we're supposed to be and so as we as we bring to a close this this concept of who are we what are we we are the image of God on this planet. And we messed it up, but through Jesus, He's calling us back. Jesus did not, or, uh, God did not give up on the human race. He created us for something so much bigger. We don't even have to make it up. <laughs> we just have to follow it. We just have to obey it. And fortunately, he's given us the scriptures and he's given us church and he's given us the Holy Spirit and he's given us Jesus himself to help us do that.